Hey, pull up a chair. Tax on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. The mayor says that he has a great record, that he's done these wonderful things. Well, the fact of the matter is he has not managed his city very, very well when he was there. He didn't get a whole lot done. We need something different than Donald Trump. I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say we need someone richer in the White House. We are giving a voice to people who are saying we are sick and tired of billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg seeing huge expansions of their wealth while a half a million people sleep out on the street tonight. I don't think there's any chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. If he goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years, and we can't stand that. We've got to wake up as a party. We, We could wake up two weeks from today, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. Well, you can feel the love, Axe. That was the punch-up. Thanks from our friends at The Recount. Put together an excellent summary of uh, quite the debate last night. Yeah, I I was going to say, Lieutenant Murphy, that I witnessed a brutal beating uh, last (laughs) night. I want to report it. Uh, You know, it it was, I think, to be expected that Mike Bloomberg yeah. was going to have a bad night. Uh, he's coming in with great expectations built by $400 million of media. Uh, the, you know, the, the greatest uh, run-up to a debut uh, in the history of presidential politics. Uh, and the debut was just a terrible bust. And he came in, he's never a great debater to start with, coming in cold with a ton of baggage and a bunch of candidates who are hungry and who are game ready. And it just was, uh, it was a disaster from, from start to finish. Uh, it, it was in its own way magnificent because, you know, we, we both know the psychology of candidates. They've been slugging out for a while. And meanwhile, there's this guy buying huge name IDs. So he's moving the polls and the media starts buying hook, line and sinker. The idea it's a race now between Bloomberg and Bernie, even though Bloomberg really hasn't been in the crucible. You know, so now he shows up and it was like a six way tornado of rage, you know, fear and, and resentment. And, you know, I, I we were both kind of telegraphing this. Bloomberg was either going to show up and be really good and grab the race or based on past performance and everything, he was going to show up. It would be like a guy who's been in his backyard with a tennis ball and a hockey stick now skating on the ice against the Boston Bruins, you know, and they were ready. And it was gleeful that they just pounded on him and he wasn't ready. Yes, they were checking him against the boards every Every chance that that they got, oh, well, you was, know, they you know, the ref should have stopped the fight. I mean, at one point he said something about, "Well, I've only been a candidate for a short period of time," and that was exactly the point. You know, he is sort of. Yeah. Remember Rosie Ruiz, Rosie Ruiz, uh, who won the Boston Marathon briefly oh, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Ni- in 1980, and then it turned out that she jumped on the tee in Boston and ran and and she right, rode, right, exactly. rode for about three quarters of the race and got off, and then jump back into the race and finish first. Yeah. Uh, I think they think of him as the Rosie Ruiz of this race, so they're deeply uh, resentful. But let's talk about the the substance 
of the attacks because you would think that, you know, in the prep that they had, uh, and they had extensive prep with Bloomberg, that he must have expected a bunch of this stuff, and yet he seemed you would think. seemed uh, almost unprepared uh, for it. The first and, and predictable uh, encounter was over the stop-and-frisk policy in New York, and I have a particular point to make about his performance on this. When we, but let's listen to the, uh, some sure. of the repartee around this. Mr. Bloomberg had policies in New York City of stop-and-frisk, which went after African-American and Latino people in an outrageous way. If I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. I've apologized. I've asked for forgiveness. But the bottom line is that we stopped too many people. Barack Obama sent moderators to see what was going on. When we sent them there to say this practice has to stop, the mayor thought it was a terrible idea. We send them there. The mayor argued against that. Then he continued the policy. When the mayor says that he apologized, listen very closely to the apology. The language he used is about stop and frisk. It's about how it turned out. Now, this isn't about how it turned out. This is about what it was designed to do to begin with. It targeted communities of color. It targeted black and brown men from the beginning. This was an attack. He knew it was going to come. And here's my beef, uh, Murphy. Uh, I don't think that Bloomberg really is all that remorseful about stop and frisk. He apologized for it about a week before he started running for president. He believes it was an effective policy. They targeted young men of color between, you know, 18 and 24 and rousted them to see if they were carrying guns. And ultimately, you know, it, the, the thing was thrown out by courts. Uh, but, uh, but, he now is in a position that he's running in a party where people are deeply concerned about injustice in the, you know, in policing and civil liberties, particularly as it relates to uh, communities of color. And so he knows he has to change, but he's not convincing. He's not Donald Trump. He's not going to bullshit his way through this. Yeah, I think he, you know, and I, 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 I'm not Kreskin. I can't read his mind, but the, the problem is, you, you, we both know what happened. They had a meeting when they first decided to pull the trigger, and they say, "Sir, this whole uh, stop and frisk thing is a <clears throat> it's kryptonite." And he said, "Yeah, we made some mistakes. Well, that they well, let's run with that. We're going to apologize." So they they go out and apologize because they have to, and I think maybe there's some genuine remorse there. But then it's a it's incumbent upon Bloomberg to use platforms like this to emotionally sell that he gets it. And instead, it was the audit report. Right. And I don't think it, anybody who doubts him on it, in you know, like, like you do, I, he didn't move the needle because it was a kind of a perfunctory. Now, look, he's not the most warm and fuzzy guy. We, that's part of the challenge he has. Um, but it was it was not the moment he needed. And uh, uh, I don't think I think it actually in some ways made it worse because he, it looked like kind of a gunpoint force confession kind right. of apology rather than a passionate one. Right. And and I'm sure his team anticipated that, worried about it. They probably urged him to be uh, to be more uh, forthcoming and emotional uh, about it. But, you know, it, it looked like a fake confession is what it looked like.
Yeah, he he is in a tough spot. I mean, uh, disclosure: I've worked for those guys in the past, and I like them. I, I, I like, like them too. I'm not, you know, but but the performance is what we're here to talk about. We got to be honest about it. He he simply wasn't ready, and they started in a hole. One hole is stop and frisk. Just the fact that he apologized to you know two months ago or a month ago, whenever it was, you know, doesn't buy him a pass. He's got to earn his way out, and he didn't do a performance that added that. Second, and I'm sympathetic to him here. The worst thing apparently you can be in democratic politics right now is a self-made billionaire. You know that that, that one click below yeah. drug king. Well, 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 well hold up him. on that. But Maybe. he didn't really defend that either. You know, he We're, should have had a little passionate run about. No, he did how defend he did it. it. He, he did defend he it. Tried. He said, "I worked hard, and I earned yeah. the money." He never mentioned his story, which I'm sure they were frustrated about that he started off yeah. with very little and he and he became right, a billionaire. Right. But point. he said, "I worked very hard for this money," and. You know, there are a whole lot of people in this country who work very hard uh, as well and uh, came, come up on the short end of the stick. But we're going to get to that. Uh, we're going to get to some more of that in a second. The second uh, line of attack, also predictable, was about these charges of, her, uh, of uh, uh, verbal abuse. The NDAs. Yeah. Verbal abuse of women in the workplace at Bloomberg. And... Uh, he uh, and Elizabeth Warren uh, sort of led the charge on this and had a really, really effective colloquy uh, with Bloomberg uh, on this. Uh, and by the way, she had a great night. Uh, she was uh, she was firing on everyone last night, yeah. but particularly one hundred and ten percent, as they say in Hollywood. But she needed it because her campaign was yeah. really flagging, and she needed to show. Uh, energy, and she particularly needed to recertify herself for the left. And going after Bloomberg was a splendid opportunity for her. Uh, let's listen to this exchange. The mayor has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few... Non-disclosure agreements. Uh, how many Let is me that? finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet. I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And, and, when you, and when you say they signed them and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out, you're releasing them on television tonight? Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. It's easy. All the mayor has to do is say, you are released from the non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> Period. Yeah, so... Uh, one other note here, in addition to Warren's very, uh, I think, effective prosecution of him uh, on this, uh, Biden jumped in as he did on on Stop and Frisk. And boy, he was uh, buoyant last night in his yeah. uh, pursuit. It was his best debate, I think. Yeah, I think. it was. Joe, Joe it was, was on his should, game. And it, it was interesting to me because, you know, uh, Bloomberg entered the race at the, Biden's nadir, and the expressed reason he entered was that they felt that Biden was done, 
and that he was going to pick up the mantle of the center right, uh, you know, against right. the Sandersites. Uh, and uh, I think Biden deeply resented that because uh, it it froze his fundraising and sent a signal uh, that uh, that the, his campaign was going down. I think he reveled reveled last night in going after Bloomberg. <laughs> reveled. Now, in the it. whole night was rage therapy for those guys. You know, <laughs> you're out slugging away. You're going to a million fundraisers. You're suffering fools or telling you to fix your hair in the next debate or you look old or you're you know what's your kid doing in the Ukraine? You're just taking all this shit forever well this guy the media is buying it hook line and sinker so finally they got him in the corner and it, it was like some gang stomping at the hell's angels and joe <laughs> i think was having more fun than anybody because they've all been waiting for this and bloomberg just it was like a jackie chan movie where the thugs walk in and you know the next thing you know they're flying over the bar he he just wasn't ready and the problem with this thing uh, with the NDAs and, and the allegations there, even though I believe him when he was accused of, you know, an improper joke and little else, this is a gift that's going to keep giving. Oh, absolutely. Because every day now he can be asked, you know, when are they going to talk? What what horrible, horrible dungeon secrets exist at Bloomberg News that you will, you're covering up? It's a nightmare for him. So strategic question number two. I don't know what's in those NDAs. And by the way, I don't think him saying, oh, I, I may have told a few jokes that offended people. Yeah. Uh, landed very well uh, last night. But I, I wanted to hear the joke again. But yeah. <laughs> you probably <laughs> you know, told him the we, joke. We were in Vegas. I, I wanted to hear his Rickles routine. What, what do you got, Mike? <laughs> uh, whatever it is, they're going to, as you say, they're going to be pursued for this. Unless it's really, really egregious, uh, they should have gotten these NDAs released beforehand. Oh, sure. And yeah. uh, Donald Trump can bogart his way through these things uh, because, you know, he doesn't care. And in the Republican Party, apparently, you can get away with that. Uh, I'm not sure you can get away with it in the Democratic Party. As you say, this is going to be a recurrent theme. He's going to hear it again next week in South Carolina. Yeah, and in his defense, unlike Trump, Bloomberg is not a pathological liar. You know, he's he yeah. to his no, credit. I agree. Yeah, so he can't trump his way out to his credit. You know, so he's trying to navigate the unnavigatable, right. they're either going to pay a big price for this over time or uh, they should uh, they should release these things. So you mentioned earlier the, the battle over Bloomberg's uh, billionaire status, let's say that. And, and he's not just a little— yeah, or, or a.k.a. capitalism, but yeah. Yeah, the fact that billionaire is a dirty word. He's not a faux billionaire. He's not a little billionaire. He's like a mega yeah, billionaire. Uh, Real yeah, deal. And this— is in Bernie's world, you know, prima facie evidence of uh, of something wrong. And so they had a heated exchange here. And Bloomberg was able to deliver a line that he clearly rehearsed. We cannot continue seeing a situation where in the last three years, billionaires in this country saw an $850 billion increase in their wealth. Congratulations, Mr. Bloomberg. But the average American last year saw less than a 1% increase in his or her income. That's wrong. I want workers to be able to sit on corporate boards as well so they can have some say over what happens to their lives. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. 
We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Let's talk about democratic socialism, not communism, Mr. Bloomberg. That's a cheap shot. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Yeah, I'm sure Bernie's cardiologist was getting a little nervous there. He was <laughs> pissed off. Bloomberg got under his skin. Yeah, well, the, by the way, one of the most uh, one of the most ludicrous exchanges in the whole debate was when they were fighting over their stents, like who yeah. who got their stents in, in when. Uh, but um, yeah, I thought that was Bloomberg's best exchange because uh, he had some life and humor to him. Uh, it was you know a rare happy moment for him in the debate and. You know, the, the funny thing is, and I'm going to start my conservatism is going to pop through here, but it and this is, you know, we've already turned the Republican world into a complete disgusting clown show. But I, I think you could argue on the merits that you could make a strong case that Bloomberg is the most prepared by experience and government executive experience to be president. But those skills clearly aren't so relevant anymore because his performance skills were clearly, by a huge magnitude, the weakest on the stage. And I wonder what his thought bubble was. You know, I'm a pretty significant grown-up, yet I'm – and, you know, yeah, run for president, you got got to learn how to do the magic tricks. You're in dinner theater, essentially. But still, it must have been a hell of an experience for him in his kind of inner voice thinking, my God, all the skills I have are worthless in 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 this uh, this – performance theater which is clearly the key to becoming president yes but he knew that going in or he should have known he that did going know in. that so he didn't learn to juggle the problem with his thought bubbles is that they were all visible uh yeah. last night i mean his contempt uh for all of that his uh irritation with being attacked the eye rolls the smirks uh, the the peevish inter, uh, don't interrupt me's uh, you know he was he it was a performance problem but here's the thing uh, you know that also was predictable the fact that he was going to get pummeled for being a billionaire he had the one line prepared so he had a rejoinder for Sanders but again he never actually told his story in a compelling way nor did he 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 did talk about his philanthropy which is massive and meaningful. Uh, but it sounded almost grudging <laughs> at the way he told it. So yeah, the tone of it all was not good. So all in all, we, we've we've made the point enough here. But let me ask you a question. Let's use our X-ray vision here. What do you think is going on at Bloomberg World Command this morning? I, mean, I saw Shiki out on television the day before. We're ready for anything. You know, we, we know yes. they're coming at us. Which set it up well if they'd had a performance, but they didn't. Right. So. Uh, they're going to have a big argument about the NDAs. Do we 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 let the air out of that, or do we take the beating for a while? And we all know that Mike Bloomberg, one of the reasons he's been so successful, is a strong personality. He's not really staff driven. But what 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 move would you make to change the channel, other than the NDA thing? Because that's that's an obvious one. Well, well, you know these two. Look, you know these two things are going to come up again. Uh, in the debate next week in South Carolina, and the yep. stop and frisk is going to be front and center. I also think, by the way, we didn't play it, but uh, there were exchanges between uh, uh, several of them, but particularly Biden and Bloomberg, which I think will be torqued up in the next debate over what exactly Bloomberg's relationship was with Barack Obama. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a huge deal in South Carolina 
even though Bloomberg's not on the ballot, but it's a chance for it's a chance for Biden to certify his own closeness uh, to Obama and and inflict damage in the Super Tuesday states on Bloomberg Uh, on stop and frisk. You know, the the thing uh, the point I was trying to make earlier is uh, Bloomberg was, as he said, faced with a city that uh, was dealing with a homicide issue. And most of those homicides were uh, inflicted on people in minority communities. Uh, So, uh, you know, he, he in acknowledging his his uh, the 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 error and the mistake and the misjudgment of uh, this sort of wanton uh, search process uh, and rousting uh, of minorities, which he has defended in the past, um, you know, he he should have give give people a little bit of a window into his dilemma about how to stop mm-hmm. uh, the killing that was mostly aimed at minorities. Uh, in the city, uh, he just isn't very uh, adroit, and he doesn't seem at all empathetic to the plight of these young men who were thrown up against walls, uh, which yeah. he celebrated at times in the past. Well, he does data on empathy, and the data was that the policy in many ways was working. The problem is the collateral damage of the policy in the community was tremendous, and he was right. a little slow to react to that. And that is um, what, but- what, you, what you just said— is is in some form or fashion what he should have said because that would have been right. an honest thing to say, to just go right. up there and say, "Gee, I just realized late in the process, this guy was looking at at, at data every day." I mean, that they were yeah. they famously examined data every day. So the notion that you know, twelve years later or fifteen years later, in a look back, he said. Oh, you know, gee, I, I didn't realize this was happening. Yeah, I, I hadn't checked that file. It cuts across the other message, which is this guy's the Uber manager who's on top of everything. He's never going to find a good answer to this, but he needs at least a more honest answer to it. On the NDA thing, I mean, I think my, I told you what I think. I think that at some point they've got to get him out. Now, there may be stuff in there that is so embarrassing that they don't want it out anytime soon, and they may decide that the cost of not putting them out is uh, less than the cost of putting them out, but they certainly have to be weighing that this morning. Yeah, I'd play beat the clock because they're in for 72 bad hours anyway. I mean, they had done such a good job of spinning the media that it was down to them and Bernie because only they could take them on. They raised their own debate expectations to the stratosphere, and now all the leverage that had been choking out Pete and Warren and and Klobuchar is going to be in the media reversed against them, and they're going to all write Bloomberg off as dead for the next couple of days. So which it can't is get stupid, much, much yeah. worse. Yeah, dump it out, purge it, you know, but, uh, and try to get a restart, or it's never going to go away. I want to park that thought about because I think I want to do one more thing from the debate, which uh, was not in the recount mashup. But uh, Pete Buttigieg had a, a a good night, I thought. Uh, as did oh, Warren. I think he got back in the race. You know, because for a while there, for a guy who'd done so well in the early states, he was getting nothing. It was almost stunning compared to the historical pattern. But last night, I think he showed the key thing, which is under tremendous pressure, he was very, very good. That's part of, as you often say, the test of seeing who can be a president. Right. And I think he's back now because there will be a vacuum open by the Bloomberg decline. And uh, I, I thought he had exactly the night he needed, and he earned his way back in. Yeah, he he was he was relaxed, he was comfortable, he was confident. But more than that, 
both he and Warren had something that really separates you in a debate. They had strategies. They knew what they wanted to do going in. Yep. He, uh, as you heard in the opening mashup, from start to finish, he was making the point that we don't want a choice between, as he, he would say later, someone who wants to to trash the party and someone who wants to buy the party. Right. Uh, we, the two most polarizing figures in the party. And he was positioning himself in the middle. Warren was trying to do a little of that as well. Uh, but her strategy was to recertify herself uh, for the for the uh, for the left as as the kind of the the, the fighter who can win, uh, and uh, they both they both did very well. But Buttigieg uh, had uh, some exchanges with Amy Klobuchar, who uh, plainly does not like him. Well, he, she did the toughest thing she can do to somebody. She treated him like staff. which he's ethically famous for and uh we saw a little of that somebody texted uh, or tweeted i should say in response to something i tweeted about uh her performance last night that i now 100 percent believe that she did mistreated her staff Uh, yeah no no I, i got similar stuff and just to set this up a bit Last debate, she was so strong, it propelled her to a third-place finish in New Hampshire, and a lot of media attention kept her alive. So she had expectations to repeat that, and I would say she not only didn't meet him, she hurt herself a bit. But anyway, We, talked, we talked about this, by the way. The higher, the higher you go in this process, the, the, the tougher it gets. You, know, you start yep. reaching a point where you're competitive. People start firing back at you and that's what happened with uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar he went after her over Trump uh, her vote for a Trump immigration official and Trump judges and she did not handle it well uh, let's listen to that the reason that I think we need to talk about Washington experience is uh, that we should ask what that experience has led to. Experience is, and certainly tenure is not always the same thing as judgment. If we're going to talk about uh, votes okay. in the Senate you in know, Washington. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about it. Right? Uh, let's talk about the major policy. Next question. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you. You have been unusual among Democrats. I think the Democrat among all of the senators running for president. Most likely to vote for Donald Trump's judges who we know are especially hostile to dreamers and to the rights of immigrants. Now, in South Bend, it was not always easy to stand up in a conservative place like Indiana on immigration, but we delivered. Yes. Everyone that's a, was that's as perfect. I wish everyone is, was as perfect as you, Pete, but let me tell you what it's like to be in the arena. And you know, Mike, when I was watching that, it reminded me of the, the last scene in A Few Good Men. Where Tom Tom Cruise is is uh, cross examining uh, uh, Jack right. Nicholson, and finally he he goads him and he baits him, and finally Nicholson says, "You're it damn snaps. right, I called the code red." Uh, yeah. And uh, you and need the, me on that wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, but I have to say, uh, Klobuchar to keep this herself afloat here needed to repeat what she did in New Hampshire. And I think this was a really devastating uh, uh, event for her. Yeah, Warren is now, Warren was the breakout, and Pete, I think, in his own way, because this is the first time Pete showed a little steel and really hit anybody back. And he also positioned himself against Bernie well. Uh, you know, as you said, they both had a plan. He had plague on, you know, two plagues on our house, but he really yeah, lined up ideologically on Bernie. On Bernie. Yeah. You know, to be the best anti-Bernie, which is right. exactly what he needs to be. 
and um, and of course uh, Warren kind of tried to be the out fiery attack on Bloomberg Bernie, which isn't easy to do, but she kind of did it. And then of course Joe, you know, was solid, better than normal. So that complicates things for yeah. Pete a little bit. But Amy was the one who he I spent thought, eight debates Biden right setting the. Uh expectations <laughs> yeah, just for this moment when he could exceed them <laughs> yeah, but he really needs yeah. it but this brings me to the next uh, point which is where the hell are we now oh lord because in some ways in some ways this just complicated things for democrats because if bloomberg had had a good performance last night if he had passed a level of acceptability to democrats yeah. uh he he would be well on his way to being the anti bernie candidate totally and he, totally. he and he probably uh, still is just by dint of having the resources to campaign over 14 states. He's been running ads in these Super Tuesday states for months and months, and he has risen in the polls in those states. But he needs to be essentially the only anti-Bernie candidate. And now Biden has a, a, the potential for a resurgence here. We'll see how he does Saturday in the Nevada caucuses. But if he does, if he can finish second in Nevada to Bernie and and have a convincing win in South Carolina, he's going to be in the Super Tuesday races, and he's polling pretty well in those Super enough to keep Bloomberg from rising and competing with Bernie. Uh, and you know, it may be that Pete. Uh, gets through to those states as well. The one down note for Bernie, who is the beneficiary of all of this muddle in the middle, is that uh, is that uh, Warren uh, was resurgent, and Bernie probably would just as soon see her go away, and she may be able to survive into Super Tuesday uh, as a result of what she uh, of what she did last night. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, all in all, it seems to me. Um, this was a good night for Bernie, who took a few shots, but still emerged probably the net winner here. I think it was a good night for Bernie, and it was a good night for Trump, because yeah. you you had all these contenders on the balls of their feet raising their hands like children. I, I thought that was diminishing across the board. I, I would say this. There are a few big things about to happen that will bring order. I agree. Bloomberg hitting the rocks, which doesn't make him go away. I mean, one of the big questions is, will he turn his advertising Gatling gun on somebody and hurt them because he's been spending pretty much only to help himself and hurt Trump? You know, how will they react? But it it opens up a window because the media have gone Bloomberg crazy. That'll go away. So if you can come in second to Bernie in Nevada – that is a great restart for somebody, either Biden or Pete in particular, because then they can claim the mantle. Particularly Buttigieg, you can say, look, I had a great debate, and I'm the delegate leader, and now it's me and Bernie. He'll, he'll have an argument uh, going forward, and he'll need that momentum because of South Carolina. I think this the debate and finishing low in Nevada, unless she doesn't, will probably kill off Amy. And, you know, Warren bought herself a second look, but she's short on resources, and it'll be interesting what Nevada does to her. Now, just quickly, last week, Alyssa Mastromonaco, an old friend of yours um, and and a friend of mine, we uh, we did some focus groups down in South Carolina uh, for the recount, which will be a little streaming uh, show that's going to pop up. You can check that out. And the news, at least at that point in time, and those focus groups outside Charleston, which were both mixed and all African-American, was pretty terrifying for Joe Biden. Uh, the interest and excitement in the room was more for Bernie than for yeah. Biden. And mm-hmm. so the firewall I saw there was made of straw. Now, maybe Joe can restart that. He had a good debate. There's affection by all means. 
But there wasn't ballot intent. Yeah. There was a relook going on at other candidates, including Buttigieg and Warren. Uh, so, you know, South Carolina, I think, is a little bit more of an open ball game than people think. Yeah, to that point, uh, there was a poll out, uh, I think, in the last couple of days, maybe yesterday, uh, and uh, Bernie was just three points behind uh, Biden among African-American voters in South Carolina, yeah. and that is a very bad sign for Biden, whether last night shook that up or not. You know, we don't know, actually, who was actually watching that debate. Uh, and mm-hmm. one one good thing for Bloomberg is, um, you know, as I said earlier, he's going to talk to a lot more people today in his ads uh, than watch the debate last night. Doesn't make him exempt, but, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens, whether Biden gets some uh, some Joe Mandum out of it. I think part of it for Bloomberg is is less the debate than the media coverage of the debate because yes, you know, Bloomberg has gone from a guy with the resources and, and a good story to tell and paid advertising to cook his national polling, which has led the media to think he's doing really well. But now he, last night was the first time he was really in the race because yes. now he's going to be in the earned media focus, which is, as we both know, a titanic force in this stuff. Yeah. And it's not going to be good for a while until he can take some steps to change it. Well, you know what? This is why I, I think that, uh, if he if he somehow navigates his way through this, and I want to get to the the projected end of this process in a second, but if he navigates his way through this, um, the 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 shortening of the race will have been a brilliant move on their part, uh, because you can see why them assessing their guy and all of his yeah. liabilities as a performer and all of his liabilities in terms of record, uh, why a short race is the best race. Uh, for him, uh, because the less scrutiny, the better, the quicker, uh, you know, and and the, the more he can leverage his money, the better. Super Tuesday gives him uh, that chance. But look, it seems to me like that we're almost inevitably headed to a situation where uh, Bernie Sanders is the delegate leader uh, mm-hmm. coming out. I think last night may have made that more likely. Uh, that he's he you know he's the delegate leader now. If people fade away and there's one opponent and it's Bloomberg and he's well funded, maybe. But it seems to me that Bernie has uh, momentum and he has a solid core. And he proved again last night why he has that appeal. And people don't give him credit for it. He is utterly uh, authentic and committed to w- whether you think his stuff is crazy or not. He 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 is. Uh, committed to it he doesn't when he was asked about fracking and eliminating fracking and the political liability in places like pennsylvania he basically batted that aside and said he didn't care that this yeah. uh, this you know and to those young people who watch him uh they that's they want that authenticity that commitment. totally there's no equivocation with bernie you know he will sing the hits every answer is the same right and you know he 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 he's he's an anti-politician politician because he he has his shtick and he tells it to you and he, he doesn't calculate and that purity is attractive but what he is not is the choice of a majority of democrats i'm having ptsd because in the republican primaries in 2016 it was a similar scenario you had one guy with a big nod of vote trump but not enough to win, and a majority worried about him, but there were a bunch of us competing for that majority against each other, while the plurality guy kept getting bigger. Right. And because we had winner-take-all delegates, he quickly amassed right. Trump a total. Which Democrats don't. 
they don't. That's a big difference. You all cried when Old Yeller died. So, you know, everybody gets a trophy <laughs> and it can go forever. But it is likely unless the field gets very clear very fast. Now, it's funny. The Bloomberg people put out a memo about this. It basically says yeah. it's inevitable. It's us and Bernie. Now, it, it was kind of a, a masterstroke of political spin. I give Howard uh, credit for it over there. But it was all based on taking national polls and extrapolating results to them. In other words, Bloom's at 10. He'll win 10 in California. That, that equation, I think, is out the window right now. Um, that's a guess. But the, 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 so the Bloomberg part of that argument, I think, is uncertain, depending if he can have a comeback or not. But the, the idea that if Bernie can hang on to his third and keep going— um, that he'll amass a big delegate plurality is very, very real. And I don't it see is. any force that's going to combine the Democrats behind one person, particularly after last night where uh, both Warren and, and, my view, Buttigieg and maybe even Biden can walk away saying, okay, we're in a lot better position today than we were yesterday. Yeah, but they all need a way forward in that Super Tuesday, a mix in which they're not going to have the resources to compete. And uh, in many of those Super Tuesday states, uh, they aren't viable yet. And uh, at least, uh, you know, a Warren, a Buttigieg, you know, this is headed, it seems to me, toward Bernie uh, being the delegate leader. And, you know, Chuck Todd asked a a really good question at the end of the debate as to who uh, as to who believes that the the delegate leader, even if they don't have a majority, which is required for nomination, uh, should automatically become the nominee. Only Bernie Sanders raised his hand. But the question for Democrats is, how do you navigate that? And the closer to a majority Bernie comes, the more difficult it becomes. So a diffuse opposition only serves his purposes more. The margin between him and the second place finisher is going to be very important. And, you know, the so the prospect of, a, and if the second place finisher is is Mike Bloomberg, the prospect of a convention in which uh, the superdelegates come in or some combination of uh, of of uh, other people's delegates and superdelegates and hand the nomination to, say, a Bloomberg uh, is a uh, prescription for disaster in some ways because Bernie's people, or at least some segment of them, will walk. Uh, and, you know, Trump is working this hard. You see it in his tweets. They're trying yeah. to cheat Bernie. He's Bernie's greatest advocate unless Bernie becomes a nominee. And <laughs> and, and then he's going to be the oh, bulwark, then it'll be. bulwark against yeah. communism, you know. Uh, I'd rather, of the multiple hells, I'd rather take the angry Bernie people than the nominate Bernie. But well, see. that may that I, and I'll tell you what may be the forcing mechanism on that where Bernie is probably weakest uh, is where Democrats picked up the most seats in 2018 in the House, uh, which is in suburban areas. Right. Sure. And and if uh, I'm Nancy Pelosi and I have to choose, you know, death by hanging or death by fire, I'm going to choose the, the one that gives me the greatest chance to at least hold on to the House. And that's probably not Bernie Sanders. But, yeah. you know, and maybe we won't get there. Maybe something radi- will change radically. But there seems to be some inexorable uh, forces at play here. And whatever the story is, you know that Bernie's going to be a big part of it uh, come, uh, come next July in Milwaukee. Yep, he is a fact of life. And again, it feels a lot like 16, and I'm sure the, the Democrats are enjoying that as much as we did back then. Trump may be enjoying it as much as he did back then. 
Oh, yeah. Although, you know, we both said this, and I think just for the stone tablet history, say it quickly one more time. There is a bubble think in the Republican Party that if they nominate Bernie, it's over and Trump is reelected. I don't buy that. Um, I think Bernie is the riskiest choice. If I were a Democrat, I'd never vote for him. Plus, ideologically, he's uh, abhorrent to me. Would you vote for but him against Trump? That, of course, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, if he's nominated, I will answer that question. Uh, I'll never oh my vote God. for Trump. The question is if I will vote. Murphy, now you sound like one of your mealy mouth clients. <laughs> well, David, what we really want to talk about here is jobs and progress. We want to get back to the people's work. Um, so public schools need fixing right now, yet you just want to talk about political process. That's why the voters of Illinois blah, are tired blah, of state blah. house insiders like yes, you and the, the Axelrod gang. You can't pull that on me. So I know long. all the black arts. <laughs> no, no. My my point being the idea that Bernie, as a grievance candidate, much like Trump, could win is not insane. Uh, again, I wouldn't do it if I were the Democrats. It's very risky. The odds are much higher that he'll lose and everything. But this idea that Bernie's a complete non-starter in the general, uh, his energy is coming from the same place that elected Trump. And it, it should not be ignored in the modern era. Yeah. No, listen, I I am the one thing that I learned probably too late in life uh, in the last campaign is humility. Uh, and I'm not certain of anything. Oh, same and here. I, and, I, and I am certain that Bernie Sanders has a genuine uh, appeal and a real base. And uh, so I, I'm not in the the Bernie Bernie can't win category i am like you in the category of thinking it would be a risky experiment uh but it may end up being an experiment democrats have to have to run uh we we will uh we will see about that well just to irk bernie a little bit let's do some capitalism here and pay the bills you know gibbs every once in a while uh on twitter people will write in and say axe you make me nauseous but nauseous nothing to joke about it's like getting stuck in the back of a car and you're kind of a little bit hemmed in and you just you get that feeling and it starts in your stomach. It's not. Yeah. A good and, and, and like you're on your way to something good, a, a celebration or party or something. And now you're nauseous and you can't get rid of it, except there is an answer now and it's called Relief Band. Tell us about Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural relief with zero side effects, zero, for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to all of us. Here's how it works with Relief Band. It stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. If you know somebody who deals with nausea, Relief Band makes a great gift. I'm telling you, Relief Band works. We know from our own experience, we sent one to our engineer who often gets nauseous during our shows, and he reports 100% cure. Don't fall for those cheap bands you see in drugstores or on your Instagram feed. All right. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for our Hacks listeners. If you go to ReliefBand.com 
and use promo code HACKS, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to ReliefBand, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D dot com and use our promo code HACKS for 20% off plus free shipping. So while all of this was going on on the Democratic debate side, the president was busy uh, pardoning people. Uh, offering clemency, uh, uh, Eddie DeBartolo, the former uh, owner or the suspended owner of the uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, who was uh, convicted of uh, of uh, lying about a cash bribe to Edwin Edwards, the former governor of Louisiana, Michael Milken, the junk bond king, uh, Bernie Carrick, uh, the former police commissioner in New York, a close associate of uh, Rudy Giuliani. And then, of course, the esteemed Governor Bogoyevich, a former Axelrod client, I might add. I'm glad you went undercover to nab him. <laughs> he, he was indeed a client of mine uh, in the deep, dark past. This was before he was a governor and before he was a, a, a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. I just want to make that clear. But now he got sprung, and one of the interesting side factoids about it is his family scraped together, I think, approximately $200,000, I'm assuming in greasy bills wrapped in rubber bands, and made a donation to the Trump political reelect committee. And then Shazam, he's out of prison calling himself a Trumpocrat. I mean, it's so sleazy. It's essentially selling pardons. And it just shows the spiral we're in now that we passed impeachment and, and Trump is letting his inner Pinochet come out and run free. I think he's also trying, he was trying to lay the groundwork as he has been for some weeks, for the massive pardon of all his associates uh, who have been convicted or pled guilty throughout the Mueller probe. So stand by for that. I'll make a quick prediction. I I think it will be the end of Barr. Maybe not because Barr has found the light and will resign, but Trump, like Stalin, will just be offended by the fact that Barr was bucking. What? Made fun of my mustache. Nobody does that. So Trump will force him out now because Trump cannot abide anybody appearing to publicly buck him. And so it'll yes. spiral out over no, the next no, couple no of bar months. For tr- no bar for Trump is what you're saying. Huh? <laughs> so, that's, that, uh, so the other thing that he did this week, by the way, that is noteworthy, uh, is that he uh, signaled that he's going to uh, appoint Rick Grinnell, the ambassador to Germany, and longtime Republican conservative apparatchik as the director of national intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so little by little, he also purged another guy from the Pentagon who had the temerity to blow the whistle on the Ukraine caper. Um, This thing is really going to a bad place. And the question is whether there's any political consequence to it, because what Trump is looking at are rising polls, a divided Democratic Party, and he feels uh, more invulnerable than ever. Yeah, I think the Democrat primary voters should watch all this and understand they're getting a taste of an emboldened Trump uh, and a little glimpse into what a second term would feel like, where he'd be completely unmanageable and insane. So they should calculate that into their thinking and maybe, and this is always the hope that never happens in primaries, but be a little more pro- little more um, pragmatic than uh, kind of drunkenly romantic. Well, we shall see. We're going to get together again next week around another Democratic event. By then we'll know what what stones have been unturned with <laughs> Roger and his sentencing, and we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. But this, uh, this is going to be a really, uh, really meaningful, eventful couple of weeks, so let's stay close. Yeah, let's buckle up and, and enjoy the insane ride. I'll talk to you next week, pal. All right, brother. <laughs> 